A reading from the Gospel of John, chapter 21. After these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he showed himself in this way. Gathered there together were Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other of his disciples. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just after daybreak, Jesus stood on the beach, but the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, you have no fish, have you? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net to the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because there were so many fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard it, that it was the Lord, he put on some clothes, for he was naked and jumped into the sea. But the other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, only about a hundred yards off. When they had gone ashore, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And though there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared to ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. A second time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said to him, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter felt hurt because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you used to fasten your own belt and go to wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. He said this to indicate the kind of death by which he would glorify God. After this, he said to him, follow me. The gospel of our Lord. Thanks be to God. This is from a speech that Teddy Roosevelt gave in 1910. 
It is not the critic who counts, not the one who points out how the strong one stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the one who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes up short again and again because there is no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who does great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends oneself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, And who at the worst, if he or she fails, at least fails daring greatly. So that this one's place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. And here you thought spoken word was a 21st century phenomenon. So here's the question that I have for you this evening. What arena are you afraid of? What makes you timid? What is something that would really put you out there that would cause you to dare greatly? This is not a rhetorical question. This is a question I want you to answer. Shout out your answers. What risks are you reluctant to take? What makes you nervous? The very thought of doing this particular thing. Roller coasters, okay. You don't want your kids to see your frightened expression as you're screaming going up and down the roller coaster. Anybody afraid of public speaking? Raise your hand. All right, come on up. Let's practice this. Daring greatly. Come on up here. What are you reluctant to do? What makes you vulnerable? Yeah. Shout it out. Yeah. Going on a roller coaster that goes upside down. All right. Writing a paper. Having to put yourself out there. And then get evaluated, yeah. And you're, you're not in high school anymore. See? Just right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah. What'd you say? Confrontation. Yeah. How many people like to get into arguments with people? You do? Okay. So you're in the arena already. Just days after meeting with Jesus, what are the disciples doing? They are no longer hiding out in fear. This time they have run away. They have gone back to what they know, to what's comfortable. They are fishing. I thought of this as we were singing this song. Jesus, lead on, I will follow. And I'm like, no, that wasn't what the disciples were doing. They're like, we are afraid, let's go fishing. (laughs) 
They've been fishing all night. They haven't caught a thing. As the day begins to break, they see someone, but they don't know who it is standing on the beach. It's Jesus, right? Jesus calls out to them from the shore. He asks them how it's going, and when they tell him they haven't caught anything, he instructs them to, well, just throw the net out onto the other side of the boat. And when they do this, they immediately recognize the stranger on the beach. It's Jesus. He's found them. The one who turned water into wine, the one who fed the 5,000 with two fish and a few loaves of bread right in the same location, has turned an empty net into a net full. Not enough, not a few, not a bunch, but a net full of fish, 153 John lets us know, to be exact. Maybe it's the fact that they've been fishing all night, but they're acting strange. They're somewhat delirious, like Peter, putting on his clothes and then jumping into the water. Jesus calls to them to come ashore with their big catch, and then he serves them breakfast. What Jesus does next, once he has them back, once they've broken bread and had some food together, is he returns to what seems to be his original purpose for tracking down the disciples in the first place. And that is to remind them of their call. To send them out again into the arena. Into a spirit-led ministry of proclaiming the good news of forgiveness. So he turns to Peter, the reluctant, perhaps most reluctant one of the group, who's already denied being a disciple of Jesus several days ago, and now in a way that recalls that very denial, Jesus asks Peter three times, Peter, do you love me? And with each positive response that Peter gives, Jesus recommissions Peter. Feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. Okay? And then finally, he says to Peter, when you were younger, you used to fasten your belt and go wherever you wished. But when you grow old, you will stretch out your arms and someone else will fasten a belt around you and take you where you do not wish to go. The one who denied his own discipleship is brought back with a clear challenge to care for, to be a leader of what surely will become a growing community. He is called to dare greatly. I'm struck by what Jesus does when he comes onto the scene. All of a sudden, he's standing there, right? On the beach. He doesn't ask them why they went running off. He doesn't criticize them or chastise them, but rather he provides them with a net overflowing with fish, and then he serves them breakfast. He is the host. There is the abundance of fish which is impressive, right? But an even greater abundance is the abundance of the grace that he shows to the disciples. At the beginning of the Gospel of John, John declares that from the fullness of the word made flesh, we have all received grace upon grace. The original purpose of Jesus coming into the world was to bring light and life to the creation, to bring God closer, to bring grace upon grace. 
It shouldn't surprise us then that at the very end of the gospel, Jesus, the resurrected word made flesh, is offering grace upon grace. This grace, this promise can never be taken away from us. It is always the first thing that Jesus does before he calls us or sends us to do anything. The promise of grace and forgiveness is not conditional on our responding to the call to step out into the world, to enter the arena, to take risks, to be vulnerable. But the call still comes. But it always comes after the promise. And the call doesn't come once, but it comes over and over again. This call to respond to God's grace comes to us in our vulnerability. A vulnerability modeled quite well by the first disciples. Brené Brown writes that vulnerability is not winning or losing. It's having the courage to show up and be seen when we have no control over the outcome. Vulnerability is not weakness. It's our greatest measure of courage. The disciples are vulnerable. They don't know what to do. They're scared when Jesus calls them to a ministry of forgiveness led by the Spirit. What does that mean? So, so they go back to what they know, what's safe, fishing in the Sea of Tiberias. But Jesus doesn't, doesn't quit. Jesus doesn't give up on them. And he calls them from the place of their vulnerability to be courageous, to step out in courage. In baptism... We receive the promise that binds us permanently and unconditionally to God in Christ. There's nothing we do to earn it. It's just given to us. Many of us, most of us perhaps, were baptized as infants. Even if we're baptized as adults, it's still a pure gift, pure grace. But responding to this gift of grace in baptism, we are called and sent to participate in what God is doing in the world. As we regularly are reminded of the promise and as we affirm our faith, many of the ninth graders are just uh, four weeks away this, from this coming Sunday, four weeks, the 15th of May, of affirming their baptismal faith. And in that, that rite of baptism, these promises were made on behalf of the baptized. And then as we grow older, we make these promises for ourselves, to live among God's faithful people, to hear the word of God and share in the Lord's Supper, to proclaim the good news of God and Christ through word and deed, to serve all people following the example of Jesus, and to strive for justice and peace in all the earth. Baptism is a one-time event with a lasting effect. We live it every day as we are reminded of God's unconditional promise and as we are invited, not once, but again and again into a life of faithfulness. What Jesus demonstrates with the disciples, grace, then call, has become a way of life for us. We keep coming back, grace upon grace. Amen.